history of our people as Christians in this nation. See, when the king had forgotten what had been done in that nation, it stirred him to do something horrific. And when the people didn't know either, they were quickly stirred into the same. They embraced the brutality, the huge evils. I want to encourage us and to remind us of our kōrero tukuihu from those uh, things that have happened in the past. So I wanted to give you a quick download of some of our history here in Aotearoa. Hopefully this is all old news to you. You guys are like, yeah, I knew this, Crystal. But sadly, I doubt it. We don't speak of our history here in Aotearoa very well, uh, especially I've not noticed it a lot uh, until I did my searching. So I came to this church. I was saved in this church. I love this church. But I didn't hear a lot of this, if I'm completely honest. <sighs> so Māori have always been prophets and seers. Uh, it's a gift, I believe, that God gave us as a people uh, to prepare for things to come. See, the Māori prophet Toiroa foresaw the arrival of Europeans. In fact, he saw many detailed things about, how, about these unknown people, including the way they would dress and the way they would travel. In 1766, he prophesied about them. Te ingoa o tō rātou atua ko tama i roro kūtia, he atua pai o tira which translates in English to mean the name of their God would be Tama Iroro Kutia, the son who was killed. A good God. However, the people will still be oppressed. Jump forward, uh, we see God prepared a way for his people, for the Māori people to receive the gospel. In 1814, uh, some Māori chiefs in Ngāpuhi in the very north of our country uh, sent word to a Reverend Marsden to come to Aotearoa and to share this good news, um, this gospel. And so he came in 1814 on Christmas Day. He preached the first ever sermon done on our shores, a first Christian sermon. And three, uh, and some significant things that happened during this event. So Mazan's invitation came by the respected Ruatara. So Ruatara had prepared this way for Mazdan. Uh, 400 Māori were present uh, at this uh, place. And because of that, Ruatara became known as Te Ara Mo Te Rongopai, which means the gateway for the good news. Uh, and so Marsden's message was, Behold, I bring tidings of great joy. The connection to Toiroa's prophecy, which mentioned a good God, is hard to ignore. As significant as this event was, Christians, uh, Christianity was not immediately taken up by Māori. Uh, first baptisms weren't recorded till about 10 years later. But there were only a few. Things didn't really change until the baptism of the Ngāpui chief. Uh, this, is, this is one uh, account of what happened. There's a whole bunch of reasons why Māori flocked to Christianity. Uh, but we see CMS is the Christian Mission Society. So they became the early missionaries, uh, international missionaries to Aotearoa when we first saw Christianity come to Aotearoa. So by uh, 1842, God's work among Māori was undeniable. The work was phenomenal, and that even the government noticed and commissioned a survey to know its extent. Through extensive research of CMS records and early census data, mission historian uh, Malcolm Falloon Balloon, has estimated that by 1852, 90 to 95% of Māori prophes prophesied to be Christians. 
Like when I read that data, it blew my mind. Like legitimately, I was like, this is one of the greatest revivals that have happened in the history of this world, right? Christian revivals. I know very few to the degree which 90 to 95% of all those people prophesied to be believers of Jesus. And these are not stories we tell. And when we don't remember our history, there are consequences for this. See, Māori uh, were pushed out of churches, villainized for practicing Christianity in ways that uh, did not fit the mould of what, what uh, was given to them as a form of Christianity. The language was punished and cultural practices were attempted to be destroyed. There was vilification in the media, land confiscations, mass imprisonment, uh, abuses in the state. This is what it looks like when we're a people who don't remember our history. Māori flocked to Christianity. They understood the Word of God. They were empowered by the Spirit of God. They prophesied Him, and we forgot. And Māori were pushed out of the church. In the 2018 census, uh, which is that's recent, if you didn't know, a couple of years ago, it's the last census we had. Uh, I reviewed the data. Someone said to me, I said, they said, how many Maori Christians do we have uh, in Dunedin? I said, I don't know. So I decided to look it up. They said, there's not many Maori because there's not many Maori, right? There's not many Maori in the church because there's not many Maori. So I decided to look it up. And apparently close to 40,000 uh, believers in the city of Dunedin. How incredible is that? It's huge. I was like, whoa, I didn't realize the numbers were so high. And then when I looked, uh, there was actually a special section for those who are Māori and call themselves Christians. Uh, and so within that data, right, close to 40,000, Māori, 309. So we went from having 90 to 95% of Māori believing in Jesus to having probably the opposite. We need to remember our history. When we forget history, often we villainize in other people. We saw this happen with our Pacific brothers and sisters in the dawn raids. They were asked to come to our nation to serve and they are incredible workers, hard workers. And when we no longer needed them, the media villainized them. I want to encourage you to look up what the dawn raids were today. Mark the official apology from our government uh, to our Pacific brothers and sisters for what the disgusting practice which happened in the 1970s. But this is what it looks like when we forget our history, right? Indian and Chinese migrants to Aotearoa also suffered. Newspaper articles from the early 1900s suggest that they were banned from pubs, barbers and swimming pools. In response to the growing multiculturalism in Aotearoa, a reverend, Reverend Howard Elliott, under the blanket of the Protestant Political Association, sorry, in 1923, here in Dunedin, helped form the first gathering of the KKK on our shores. I'm so sorry. This year I've been reading a lot of biographies and books from people who remembered their histories, who'd been faithful, and when faced with hard choices, chose well. People like John Lewis, Michelle Obama, Arthur Channing Brown, Corrie Ten Boom, Francis Chan, Kate Bowler, Pauline, Vaikaluaga Smith. Sorry for my Pacific Island brothers and sisters. My eyes are fully teared. I can't really read. Lejoma. Alexandra. 
AOC, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, yeah, I like her, Jamar Tisby, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Two days after Adolf Hitler became Chancellor of Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a lecturer, a theologian, and Christian, took to the radio and denounced the Nazis. His peers and leaders disagreed with him, and yet he felt so compelled by God that he did it anyway. It was this compulsion and loyalty to God that marked Bonhoeffer and set him on a trajectory to be murdered in a death camp. He fervently, consistently, and publicly stood against all those people he looked at and told them that what was happening in Germany was wrong, but he was very much a minority. I've been reading his book, it's long, it's big as, it's good. For if you're a reader, get amongst the action. If you're not, audiobooks, highly recommend. But over and over and over again, he chose to look different. See, something that marked Bonhoeffer's faith was his ability to share in community to a degree that I haven't seen happen, probably except outside of communities like this. I'm not even joking. I came here as a student and sat in these seats. And as a, as a young person, I connected in communities that stirred me to faith. And this is what it looks like to be able to grow in a way that would see people stand up to injustice. See, he devoted his time to the Bible and to prayer and to singing. As Christian believers of Jesus, we need to be transformed. We need to be transformed from, from a Christianity that seeks to benefit ourselves, that makes our lives better and my job better and my car park closer, to the kind that looks to make the world around us better. If your Christianity will not be transformed from an individual one to a, to a collective one, then ultimately you will miss out on what God is calling us to. I believe we can have a faith that will literally save lives. There will be people in this room who will stand in positions to make decisions that can save the lives of others. But this can only happen if we are the kind of people who don't focus on a faith that makes my life better, but makes our life better. The fact is, Trouble will come. Hurt will come. Pain will come. People will reject you. If you call yourself a Christian, if you want to call yourself a Christian, if today you sit here and be like, Christianity's dud. Well, I'm about to tell you why it's even worse than you thought. Because it's meant to be hard. It's not meant to be easy and just happy-go-lucky and clappy. And it's okay when it is but our faith does not require it. It doesn't require us to sit in the sun. It requires us to see those around us be blessed. I wanna lay it out plainly. I believe we can have a relationship and a knowledge of God that literally saves lives. And I wanna encourage you, fall in love with Jesus. See, in this last 18 months, I felt like I was pressed up against a rock in a hard place by people I love dearly. And I didn't know what to do. 
And I just keep hearing God. I felt so compelled to just keep speaking, to speak out against injustice, to speak out about what's happening in America, to speak out about what happens to our Pacific Island brothers and sisters here in Aotearoa, to speak out on injustice. And people didn't want me to. And I thought maybe I'll just be quiet. It would be a lot easier for me. But something in my bones, like a fire in my bones, kept stirring and pushing me to say something. And I truly believe that only happens in a faith that is developed with love for Jesus. See, if we fear God as how it's described in Exodus, if we fear God, we can choose well. But if we fear people, we are resigned to live a faith that is weak. See, I only know the name Dietrich Bonhoeffer because he over and over and over again chose Jesus. He feared Christ more than Hitler. And when I read his story, I found out that he had ways out. In the middle, just when it was just about to kick off, just before war started, he was sent to the US to to be a lecturer and to help uh, some of the Jews and the uh, Germans who had already left Germany in full knowledge that it it was going left as... Dietrich Bonhoeffer's family was really famous and well-known in Germany. And so he already knew how evil and disgusting things were. And the reality is most of Germany didn't at that point. Most of the world didn't know, but he knew. And so he went to the US and in his uh, time there, the whole time, we can see uh, reports from his diaries. He just over and over again is like, man, should I be here? I don't know. Maybe I should be back there. And he did. He went back. He chose to go back in full knowledge of what it would mean for him because his faith compelled him to. This faith that wasn't predisposed to choose self, but to choose other. And so tonight I wanna stir a generation of people, whether you're old or young in the house, whether you feel capable or not, whether you're loud or quiet, to be the kind of people who learn a faith that will last. A faith that will push you to do more. A faith that will will push you to stand when others sit, to speak when others remain quiet, to dance down the aisles. Son. See, God is calling us to be those who seek justice. What Moses did was only a shadow of what Jesus did. Moses liberated his people, freed his people, led them into the promised land. Jesus in his life, death and resurrection did all that and more for not just the Israelites, but for us. So you stand here today empowered. You stand here today free to choose. To choose. Will you cultivate a faith that will literally save lives? Are you willing? I'm so sorry for those who are distracted by him. That's that's what people do, you know. But God is calling us to something more. Are you willing? Are you willing to grow that kind of faith? Because what it looks like is radical community. If you wanna live the kind of life that Bonhoeffer did, that Shifra and Pua did, that a whole bunch of other people in our Papa did, 
right, like Ruatara did, then we need to be willing to focus on this radical community, to develop the kind of community that does life together, that is honest with one another, that holds each other when we do wrong. There's not here shaming each other, being like, oh, you are bad Christian. You shouldn't look like me. I know it's really tempting. You look at me like, damn, that girl's real fire. She's so pretty and so confident and has a real cute baby. But God called you to be something greater. He called you to be you. And when we can live in a radical community that is able to walk out that faith in Jesus, when we know His Word, when we're people of prayer, when we're committed to be worshipers, that is the kind of environment that cultivates this faith, that is willing to do the hard yards, that mourns together. This week, I uh, marked the two-year anniversary of the death of one of my youth. And I'll cry, and I keep crying every year. Every other week, I'll cry about it because I mourn with those who mourn, because I loved well. And when you love well, losing things is hard. But that will not shake my faith because I have the kind of faith that was developed in a community of radical believers, that I have the kind of faith that believes the Word of God, that acknowledges that Jesus is legit, 100% real. You could say or do anything to me, but I will not walk from him because this is real. And this is what I want for you. I want us to cultivate that kind of faith, that people can come and say whatever they want. I've had people say racist things to me in this building, in that other building, on the streets. I've seen people talk to my mother with disrespect. And that didn't shake my faith because I have the kind of faith that is built in strong communities. If you want to build that kind of faith, I encourage you, sign up for the Marae trip. I'll be there. Bring earplugs. Because it's not a real Marae trip if you don't have an older lady. I know I look young, but I'm older. Snoring loud as. And I'm going to do that for you. You're welcome. It's how I serve the community. Because you know you've got to know perseverance. What does it look like to love Jesus when you've got hardly any sleep because that pastor chick keeps snoring? Right, when you're so angry at her, but you have to love her and give her grace because maybe she has sleep apnea or something. Or maybe she just snores. That will push you to prayer in the midnight hour. Lord, help me sleep. But I want to encourage us, let's be a people who can see real changes happen. Who when everybody else is going right, we go left. It's good. I love a good laugh. So I want us to, to take a moment to contemplate, to think, is that kind of faith I wanna I wanna be a part of tonight? Because it's a choice. That's one of the gracious things about Jesus. He is all-powerful, almighty, all-knowing, and He still lets us choose. I'm only half-mighty, half-powerful, and I choose everything in my house. <laughs> Sorry. I was just cracking up to myself. That's dumb. Jesus is clearly smarter. He lets you choose. So tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to choose because you have to choose it today. 
And then when you start laying your head down to sleep, you have to choose it then. When you wonder, should I pray or should I read my Bible? Right? And then tomorrow, when that Netflix pops up, notification, you want to watch me? Got to choose it then. Watch only one episode and then pray and then watch another episode. That's what I do. I'm going to be honest, not like I don't watch it. You should see my phone history. I'm out here watching five hours in a row. That's rest and relaxation with the Lord. <laughs> Apparently I'm confessing. <laughs> Confession's a great part of uh, the Christian community too. So find some good community you can confess to. Live authentically, honestly. Um, but you've got to choose it over and over and over and over again. And so I want to start today. Maybe today you want to choose. Maybe today you want to choose uh, to, to start that journey to deepen your faith, to dig that deep well that you can draw from in moments of uh, pressure, in moments of pain, in moments of mourning, in moments of joy, in moments of temptation. But if we don't start drilling that well and filling it with the, the life of living waters that Jesus promised us at that time when you want to take that, draw that bucket of, of living waters, will be empty. So today, let's drill. Today, let's dig into His Word. Today, let's choose once again to develop a faith that will literally save lives. Because our God is calling it. So today's your opportunity. So my shut up. Be quiet, sorry for like a whole minute and you guys can can have some time with Jesus real sense tonight that there's somebody here who's, who's just got this real like like itchy feetness almost to them like oh man this is something that like is exciting but I don't know what to do and I don't know where to go I feel like it's a guy up in this house I uh, just got this real sense that there's a there's a young man who who feels like oh man yeah this I think this is for me like I think this is my message and sometimes a message is literally for one person I know this one everyone's gonna be like no I got something out of it cool bless you but like there's something, there's, there's somebody in this room tonight who I feel like this is really stirring something, something that can like actually do some real powerful things. I want to encourage you to talk to Sam. Uh, I, I know you don't really know him and you've seen him down the front. You think he's real hardcore. He's not that hardcore. He farts too. Sometimes he forgets to brush his teeth, not very often. He's a human. He's normal. 
but he can be your brother. So I want to encourage you, blokes in the house, if you're like, oh, I want to do something, talk to this man. Maybe you are sitting here today and you, you've never really chosen Jesus before. It's the first time you're really like, oh man, I don't know about this one. Good. Because the Christian life is hard and then it gets a little bit harder and then it's harder still. And if it's super easy for you, I want to encourage you to jump into a different pathway because you're probably not, um, you know, you know, I don't want to say it because it's going to be on recording, but probably not doing it well. Christianity's hard. It's meant to be hard. You should read the Bible. It says it's hard. Because we're going against something. But it's worth it. It's the greatest thing that I've ever encountered. And the church is beautiful. So let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let's do it. Let's choose this over and over and over again because he chooses you over and over and over again. Man, he looks at you and he looks up your messed up mistakes and he says, yep, still you. He sees all those times you, you get angry at your child and you yell at them. It's not me, it's not personal. It's not a very specific example. And he says, still, yep, you, Crystal. Oh, anyone, could be anyone. He sees how grumpy you were. You're so grumpy that you didn't even stay in church the whole service this morning. All your friends text you and be like, are you okay? Yeah, he still chooses you. Whatever your problems look like, he still chooses you. Because with us, this ugly mess of randos, we can save the world. We can have the kind of faith that literally saves lives. So I want the, the worship team to come on back up because they're very well prepared for that. I pre-warned them. I did it. Because I want us to worship the God that will inspire that, the God that will sustain that, the God that will encourage that, the God that will empower that. Because without Him, we can't do Jack. Oh, that's probably shouldn't have said that. Can't do anything. right? Without Him, we can't do this, but with Him and through Him and in Him, we can do this. Let's uh, get to our feet and worship our Lord.